0: Time am winding down. And then a couple on the fade. It's good at the buzzer. The Milwaukee Bucks stun the Nicks on the last second game winner by Yanis. And then a couple. All right, everybody. Jacob's here on the mic. Um, Back on the podcast is our boy Kane Pittman, our friend from Down Under. Uh, he just left Boston and is now touching... You're in Miami now, correct?
1: Miami, yep, yep. Just got in uh, about uh, 10 minutes ago.
0: Very nice, very nice. How's the weather down there?
1: Well, I haven't got outside yet, but it's uh, looking <laughs> a, a lot warmer than it was in Boston,
0: that's for sure. Oh yeah, I bet. And then there's snow on the ground here in Milwaukee, so that's not any better. <laughs> um, but okay, so, uh, episode 31 of the podcast, um, two games into this Boston series, um, down to, um, obviously, you know, we were talking just a little bit about, um, this before we started recording, and, uh, game one was, it was a lot of fun, just from a, a ba- from a basketball perspective, um, it was entertaining, uh, it was frustrating as a Bucks fan, because they played sloppy, but they were in the game, The you know, they were always in it, um, they never... They fought back a lot, but last night last night was just embarrassing. Um, it was hard to watch. What were your kind of high-level thoughts on these games?
1: Um, yeah, game one was, um, you're right, they were always in it. And, like, obviously they got off to a slow start, and, and I don't know how much you can put that down to just uh, first playoff game. You're on the road. Um, like they had eight turnovers and and they and largely they were in the game until the last sort of few minutes of that first quarter where they just, they, they basically crucified themselves and, and then they found themselves down 12. After that, it, it was a game and it was like, it was in terms of, you know, back and forth, it, it didn't get, it can't really get that much better than that. It wasn't the best spectacle in terms of uh, viewing, but, you know, We would go on a run, and they would go on a run, and then obviously we know what happened at the end. It was um, it, it, it was a more enjoyable game to watch. Uh, the takeaway from that game was, and where everyone was so positive was about, was that, that, that Bucks gave up the turnovers, they gave up all those offensive rebounds, second-chance points, and you thought, well, they're going to be able to tidy that up. And that is was, the main reason why they couldn't get over the line in Game 1. So they'll be able to tidy that up, and they'll be fine. And then by the end of the first quarter, they're down 11 again last night. They've had another seven turnovers, and you just you, you just felt like you were watching the same thing again. And, and you're not going to be able to come back like they did in Game 1 on every game, and unfortunately, that's the way it panned out.
0: Yeah, you hit the you hit the nail right on the head there um, with... Because I had that same thought of, like, I wasn't... like. We lost the game. We lost game one, and I was like, okay, it sucks that we lost, but we, like I said, we were never out of that game, even with all of our mistakes. Like, there was no reason that we should have been tied and that game should have gone to overtime based on the way we played, whether it was, you know, the turnovers, as you mentioned, the sloppy play, and overall, not great shooting. You know, Snell didn't have a good game, but. I mean, I was really hopeful going into last night because I just thought the same thing. I was like, this team is going to figure it out. They they know what they effed up on in that first game, and those are all things that are just mental errors, things that can be fixed. You know, it, it wasn't like there was some larger issue at play here uh, in game one, but last night was rough. I don't know what was go. I don't know what's going on with this team. Why why they can't seem to just put it pull it together here? Um, but one thing I did notice and. This is the little, like, in the details, but, you know, Brogdon, I'm looking at stat lines right now, Brogdon had four turnovers last night, and it looked like he was trying to make, like, all these fancy, like, bounce passes around people instead of kind of just, like, playing the game, like, straight away. It seemed like he was trying to get a little fancy. That was just a thought I had. Did you see that, too, or is that just me? Well, Brogdon definitely had some issues
1: um, to start the game, and, and. Like we know that he's only just come back and he's had two months off, but he, he, you know, he's found his shot pretty well. He was knocked down that mid-range jumper there, fine. He finished up five for seven from the field, but the turnovers are an issue. And he, he only played five minutes in the first quarter, and he had three turnovers, three of the three of the seven turnovers. And and he probably was forcing a little bit. And I, look, I've probably myself been. Uh, um, you know, blaming the Bucs a lot for, for all these turnovers and the sloppy play. And a lot of that is because it does seem like it's just careless and they're not taking enough care with the ball. But we do have to remember this Celtics team was the number one defensive team in the league in the regular season. And regardless of who was playing for them and who was out, they're, they're a really good defensive team. And if you give them any type of window to, to you know take the ball away or... or you know cause you issues on offense, they're gonna they're gonna take it, and the bucks have been careless.
0: Yes, they. Ha- I mean, it, that's what it is. You you have to give it a little bit to Boston. You're right that they um, are just playing really good defense and kind of figuring it out. And that's you know, hats off to Brad Stevens and their coaching staff, really pulling this team together. Um, you know, injured all year, losing their two best players, and you know, you got to give out give it to the rookies as well. They're playing really well. Terry Roger's playing out of his mind. Um but you look at this team and they're at this Bucks team and they're just on paper overall better than the Celtics. And that's why I think this is even more frustrating for the for Bucks fans. But I wanna do I wanna go over some high level things that I've seen going around on Twitter, people complaining about, and I think let's just start with the biggest elephant in the room and that's Jabari Parker. Um, you know, fifteen minutes in game one, one for five from the field. He didn't look great, he looked lazy on defense. Um and then game two, kind of same thing, 10 minutes, 0 for 2 from the field, and didn't come out with any fire, it seemed like. What are your thoughts on Jabari Parker? And if you want to give him maybe a little bit of your own ideas on what could be going on with him, that'd be great. Yeah, with
1: Jabari, honestly, do not know. It's, it's hard because you don't actually know what is going through his head right now. And I've, I've sort of tweeted a few things, and I look, I do feel sorry for him. He's um, he's obviously got a lot going on because it's not only has he had the ease these you know, two major knee surgeries, and he's in his fourth season, and he, he's hardly played. He's coming into his first um, playoff series when you know the other guys are in their third, and they've been there and done that, and they've played 100, you know, 100 150 more games in Dubai. So he's trying to figure out, uh, you know, this whole situation, but also he he's got the, the, the money situation over his head, and and he's he's human he's an athlete, he understands that the is not going to last forever, and when you have injuries like this that can cut your career short, he needs to, he needs some security, and I, I don't blame him for that, I'm not, like, um, I definitely hold no grudges for that, he needs to do what he needs to do for himself, and, and that is, he, he wants a, a long-term contract and some, some security there, but the thing that is inexcusable is his effort on defence, and it's been from the word go, he... <laughs> You can miss a shot, and that's fine. But you can't, um, you, you, you can't be. As soon as you you miss that shot, dropping your head and not even bothering to get back on defense, and we see repeatedly, the effort's just not there, and it's 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 not good to watch. He's not he's not helping himself. He's not doing any favors, doing himself any favors, and he's in no man's land right now. And he's been he's been virtually unplayable, and I I don't know what the answer is, because he doesn't seem to be showing any sign of wanting to uh, bounce back, of, of wanting to come out and, and show that he's, he's interested and show that he can give that effort. He just hasn't done. It.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, one thing, my question back to you is, are you out on Jabari Parker? I feel like a lot of people on Twitter are kind of like, I'm done with him, I don't want him, or they're kind of, they don't want to see him play anymore at all, or, you know, what are your thoughts on that? As a, just you know, as just a fan,
1: I'm not out on Jabari Parker because it's when it's all said and done, he's played I don't know maybe 30 games since he's come back from this injury, and it's like you've and, and you know that he's got talent, but and and this is where it's hard with every single player that's got any type of question mark on him for the Bucks is like can a different coach and a different coaching staff. Bring the best out of these guys, and the and and the issue with Jabari that you don't have with a lot of other Bucs players is that you're going to get time to see that because they're under contract. Jabari isn't, and you need to make a decision. But the one thing I will say is that he's he's costing he's costing himself money right now, and if the Bucks are going to sign him. They might be able to get him on a on a heavily discounted deal to what you might have thought they would have been able to get a couple of months ago. So that's the uh, that's probably the only silver lining if you want to keep your back.
0: Yeah, actually, I didn't even really think about that, but that's totally true, and will help us out uh, in the cap space room. So I agree with you. I think I was going to make a comment that I think you you know he hasn't had a full off season coming back from this injury. Once you do get a new coaching staff, because I think everybody is in agreement that they're going to blow this entire team up from that perspective and bring in new people. You bring in a guy or girl who can really put in a good system, really, you know, help him out mentally. I think a lot of it is mental. And uh, get a system in there that's gonna work well with this team. Uh, they you know, Sith was on here this last episode last week and kinda of talking about the hierarchy. Because you do have four guys in Jabari Parker, Giannis, Bledsoe and Middleton who are all trying to figure out each other, you know, who is the number one option, obviously Giannis, but then you kind of it doesn't always seem like that, the way Bledsoe plays, and even Middleton sometimes. Uh, but I think that this offseason is going to be very key for this team. But that's looking a little too far ahead, and let's bring it back to these two games. So, one other thing that's been, excuse me, very interesting is Tony Snell's minutes. So, 33 minutes in game one, and that a lot of people were complaining about because there wasn't a huge rotation in that game uh, where they really, or Prunty, excuse me, really leaned on his starters. Um and Maker, Vadova Muhammad, uh, three, and Sterling Brown, three players not playing in that game. So what overall did you did you like that? Did it piss you off? Do you really think that that hurt us? Um, obviously, his minutes dropped in game two, uh, and we got a lot more rotational players in there. But overall, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Because a lot of people have been complaining about it.
1: Yeah, and I've seen a lot of that as well. And I, and I heard some of that at the game. A lot of people were like wondering, what the hell are they starting to know? I I don't have a major issue with it, largely because if you're going to start Giannis, Bledsoe, Middleton together, and then obviously Hanson as well, then you don't need... Like, Tony Snell doesn't need to be jacking a heap of shots. Unfortunately, he's just not making those three-pointers now, and it's fine if he's only taking three or four shots a game and hitting a couple of threes, but at the moment he hasn't been doing that, and that's where you know it becomes uh, visibly frustrating to watch him play because... Uh, he does a lot of other things that, that don't pull up in the stat sheet, and it's too easy to look at stats, uh, Snell's stats last night and go, "Well, he's played 22 minutes and he scored just two points and had two rebounds." And you're like, "Well, that's not good enough." And so, but he's not the type of guy that's going to accumulate stats. You'd love him to be hitting some more shots, but right now, I'm not. I just don't think that is something that I'm, I'm thinking is caught in us games. Now, I haven't said that. Now that they're two nothing down, and it's it's the way last night panned out, then I think that it's time for some adjustments. We might see uh, maybe Malcolm will will start potentially. They'll just uh, you know throw caution to the wind and throw Jabari in there. I don't know. I I feel like last night Prunty realised that he went from that eight man rotation or nine that played four minutes in game one to. You know, just about every single player in the roster Was getting minutes there Sterling came in and did a really good job Bob Shabazz did a really good job So I think he's now at least got himself in a position Where he can he can mix, mix some things up But on the whole I, I, I wasn't walking away from those games or, or seeing the start of those games Furious that Tony Snow was starting It just wasn't that relevant to me
0: no, me neither. And you, he does good things, as you've already pointed out on the defensive end. And I think that that was really important going down the stretch in that game on Sunday because they were fighting back. You know, they really needed good defensive stops. Obviously, rebounding has been an issue for this team all year, and it's continuing into the playoffs. So, I mean, you can beat that dead horse as much as you want. But, I mean, that's obviously an issue, and everybody needs to work on that, with maybe the exception of Giannis. Um, So overall, I mean, everybody seemed to be getting so upset about that, and I didn't understand it because he did help so much on the defensive end where I think it made up for his lack of an offensive presence, especially when you're right. You do have Bledsoe, Middleton out there, and Giannis, who can all either create their own shots or almost work off of each other to create some offense. And I think the bigger issue and the thing I want to talk about next is John Henson's play. Um, He got... 37 minutes in both these games. Um, You and I had a little... I saw your tweet about it today, and we had a little quick Twitter back and forth there. So overall, what are your thoughts on John Henson playing as much as he has been in this series? Um, Zeller only getting four and six minutes in both games, respectively. And, you know, overall, what are your thoughts? Because I know that the Boston Celtics don't have a quote-unquote true center um, with Al Horford getting the start in that position.
1: Yeah, it was interesting. Game one was... Kind of strange because he played the 37 minutes while on the on the Celtics we, we hardly seen Munro at all. Like he he rarely played, and even Baines played eight minutes in the first quarter, but then he, he only played five minutes after that. So it's interesting that they did go with Henson for 37 minutes. Um, but obviously you know he, he was he was protecting the rim. He, he, he blocked uh, six shots. Um, I think again last night he was yeah he he did a a good job. A good job, like not he wasn't great, and I don't remember, I don't really expect great from Hanson, but he did a decent job. He, he got another block shot. He, he he was on the night at a positive, and he was one of the only. Well, I had the guys that played, know, yeah, meaningful minutes, he was um, really the only positive on the night. I'm just looking at it now. Shabazz was a plus six on the night in his twelve minutes, but you know, when you look at all the other starters, Milton was minus eighteen, Giannis minus thirteen. Uh, John Henson was a plus five, and that's, like, we, we know a plus and plus is in, in individual games, but he, he wasn't, he didn't hurt the team, and, and you know, he knocked down six of his seven shots, he's been all right, but, again, the offensive rebounds have killed the Bucs, and, like, late, late in the game, in game one, they, you know, every time the Bucks just needed a stop, if Celtics were able to just gather that offensive rebound, and get a, get a crucial shot. They did it right from the outset in the, in the game yesterday. I think they had another 20 second chance points last night. It's not good enough. And it's been an issue all season. And it's it's painful to watch. Um, but I, I I can't confidently say that if you take Henson out and put Zeller in, certainly not fine that it's going to be any better. So, look, he's been good. But... <laughs> that's that's what battle I lot can say.
0: Right, and I think that I mean that's kind of uh, no like no offense to John Henson but I think that's the best you're going to get out of him what we've seen these past two games. And you're right, I I guess I didn't even I just looking at a stat line now, you know, I didn't even realize that, that he had accumulated six blocks throughout that game on Sunday. Um there was just so many other things, you know, obviously the Chris Middleton deep 3 to 7th to overtime that kind of take over my memory there, but <clears throat> it's been very interesting to watch his play and I I agree with you. It's very interesting because you don't really have another person that's going to come in and can fix that rebounding problem. We've seen it. You know, Thon has been like the worst rebounding seven foot player in the NBA. What and Zeller isn't the best rim protector. I think he's more helpful on an offensive perspective, running pick and rolls and other things. So I, I agree with you. He's been good. He hasn't been terrible, um, like a lot of people I think want to say, and and that's that's good for him and and for us. You you, you need some you need your players to play well. And that's just it's just frustrating because I think we're all looking for something to blame for these losses. And I think Henson is usually easy to blame, along with Snell because he's had such a shooting slump. But you know, I think that there's other things that we can look at and point to. So now kind of moving off of Henson, here's a question I've also seen being thrown around is Brandon Jennings. Bledsoe played terrible in Game One, horrible, like worst game probably that he's played in a Bucks uniform. He had a bit of a bounce back game last night, um, limited his turnovers to only one compared to five on Sunday. Uh, a little bit better shooting, but not much better. Um, and obviously with Brodie and Backdell, got some minutes last night too. But do you think it would help to maybe activate? Brandon Jennings and maybe play him a little bit more, or do you think that we should stick with the roster that we have and maybe just rotate in maybe Australian Brown or Delavadova in more?
1: Yeah, look, I, I would stick with it, um, and and basically the major reason for that is that even though Bledsoe has he's been torched by Rozier, he's been really taking to the cleaners. In all honesty, but the offense hasn't been horrible the bucks shot 60 percent from the field last night it's like that it's not like they were struggling for a good shots and b to make shots they were getting what they wanted and they were scoring they were just giving the ball up and 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 that was it's too much to overcome and another uh 15 turnovers they cleaned it up a bit after the first quarter but that's that's why i'm not bringing jennings in because you know offensively it hasn't been an issue so what are we bringing in Brandon Jennings in for? I, I don't really know. Like, Blitzer had one turnover there. Like Jennings has been good in a couple of games where we're like, okay, well, the energy's really low. It's It's been a different sort of situation where he's came in and he can just push the ball and go full throttle and and um, and it, it, with, with good results at times. But I can't see that uh, Jennings is going to come in right now and do anything like I can't see how he's going to change any anything. You'd like you, you would like to play Dalvin Over if, if Blotz not playing well. Then you'd like to say, OK, Dalley, you have a go on Rozier, play physical and see if you can slow him down." But obviously, he just looks he just looks out of touch. He hasn't played for a long time, and I know he's not the most popular buck anyway. But he he's the type of guy that you would like to throw in in that situation. So, having said that, Sterling Brown is the guy that I'm probably looking to to get a boost in minutes. He played eight minutes uh, last night, and he was he was good. It was a good eight minutes. Um, he's a guy that I feel like a lot of people all year have been wanting to see play more, and I uh, would not be activating Jennings, but if you're going to give someone more minutes at the guard, it's probably going to be Sterling Brown.
0: I like that a lot, and uh, you really took the words out of my mouth there, because I, I want to see Della Vadova more. I wish he would have come back a little bit and had some gotten in some in-game reps prior to the postseason, because... Playoff Delhi is a different person. You know, all we saw that last year where all season he was kind of average. He wasn't the best player. But when you get him in these playoff situations, he is just a menace on the defensive side of the ball and can really help run an offense. You know, obviously he hasn't been the best shooter in his career, but really good at running an offense. And that's who I would want to see come out and guard Terry Rozier because... He he offered, he guarded Steph so well when he played for Cleveland and really gave him a lot of trouble. And not that Terry Rozier is as good as Steph Curry, but you could hopefully, you would hope that he could kind of do the similar thing and really cause a lot of problems for Terry and really limit his scoring. But I, yeah, he didn't look great. He played five minutes last night, you know, he's kind of just getting back into it now. And I think I agree with you that you can't give him a whole lot of minutes because he he could hurt us more than he would help us just being so rusty. But I agree. I think Sterling Brown is kind of going to be the X factor, if you will. It's a term that everybody likes to throw around who's going to be the X factor. And I think that's going to be Sterling because he can provide a lot coming off this off the bench. He's a decent three-point shooter. He He's young. He's fast. He provides a lot of energy, I think. And I, I that's what you're going to look to for him to do going in Friday night at home at the Bradley Center. Um, so I agree with you 100%. Yeah, I, I I think that, and
1: when you're talking about Daly, uh, you, you're not talking about a guy that's going to come in like a Bledsoe or you know like a Jennings. Like you're not expecting him to come in and score fifteen quick points. Like it's that's not that's not what he's there for. But when you watch the Bucks last night and. It was an issue in game one, but you thought it would be rectified, but the, the, they didn't seem to have the desperation that the Celtics did on those loose balls, and if you're going to bring Daly in in a playoff game, then that's the type of things that he's going to go after. But, of course, Sterling Brown's the same, and you've seen Shabazz Muhammad come in, and his energy was yeah, it was an automatic response in, in the second quarter there. Um, just one other thing that I just want to, and, and I'm just going off on my own here, but the free throw shoot into the Bucks was pretty, pretty costly on the nine. Um, Giannis was four for nine. Chris Middleton is an excellent three, shooter, three was one for four. Um, they were seven for 17 on the nine. I shot 40% the free throw line. Like it was pretty atrocious. Uh, Giannis, we've seen the two minute report where, you know, the 10 second uh, violation was, was, you yeah, should have been called multiple times. And then last night the crowd was, uh yeah counting down and he seemed to i don't know like whether he rushed it a little bit there but he seemed to have issues he said after the game that he didn't hear the crowd uh counting down but it's something to watch going forward i'm, I'm sure that he'll probably appreciate getting home and, and getting away from that pressure because it was it was a big difference
0: yeah that's actually a good uh a good thing to bring up is the free throw shooting i mean uh al hortford Missed one free throw all game on Sunday. Last night, Terry Rozier didn't miss from the free throw line. Uh, and Giannis has struggled, I think, with free throws all year. You've seen it where he'll go over two and really shake his head. He's been working on it a lot. Um, Sunday, I thought he did really well uh, 13 from 16 from the line. Obviously, as you already mentioned, they should have called the 10 second rule on him a couple, I think it was like six times or something like that. So it looks like he really found a system that worked and then of course when that report comes out you know you're going to get that home crowd for the Celtics going and get them revved up but also I think part of it is like he only went to he only went to the line a few times I mean as a team we only went 17 times and in in Sunday's game Giannis went to the floor 6 to the line 16 times so the calls the refs calling has been very interesting as of late obviously they had a couple calls that they said, they said should have been reversed um, called differently in that game on Sunday. So that's been also very interesting to watch.
1: Yeah, it, and, and Al Horford was sort of in the same position for the Celtics. He, I mean, he, he's been dominant in the first two games. We know that. He's been making, like, last night again, just made endless tough shots. But he only had two free-throw attempts last night. He had 14 in game one. So, um, I, like I, obviously, the, the couple of calls on Giannis there late in game one, Looking back, pretty uh, uh, costly for the Bucks' chances. But overall, I don't, I don't think that there's been, um, you know, any real issue with the, with, with the referee. It seems like it's been okay. Um, but overall, I think they they tightened up a little bit on both ways last night. The Celtics only had 18 free throws as well. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting now that the Bucks go home whether they can get start to get some of those uh, home crowd calls. Uh, we know the Bucks crowd's gonna be pretty fired up for this one.
0: Yeah, I am so excited for Friday night. It's Friday night game, 8:30 blackout. Um, it's gonna be rocking in there. I am. I love going to playoff basketball games because you can really see the crowd just get really into it. They, you know, we all live or die with this team, but it's even more evident when you get into these playoff games. That in the Bradley Center, um, the emotion's gonna be high. It's gonna be loud and we're just getting, it's going to be great. I'm so excited. But let's talk about these two games coming up cuz you you got to take these two at home. I don't think there's any ifs ands or buts about it and you want to go back to Boston tied at 2-2. So, you know, what are your keys here? Obviously, tighten up turnovers and um what else are you looking for going into these two games?
1: Yeah, it's 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 much the same as what I felt after game 1, except I'm a little less confident that they're going to be able to do it. They they um yeah this game three is the absolute definition of a must win. We, we know that you're not coming back from a three uh, nothing deficit, so they have to win this one. Um, and they need to do it by taking care of the ball in the first quarter. Like if you, if you're, you're in a playoff game and you go into the end of the first quarter down double digits as they did in both game one and two, then you're up against it. And they made life hard for themselves and, and they weren't able to fight back. Um, obviously, they need to find some other contributors. It's pretty concerning that you, you've got Giannis and Middleton just having two like unbelievable games. Like, and and Giannis like it wasn't a perfect game one or two from him by any means. But in terms of like the load he carried and the amount of like toll he took on his body, like you could you just couldn't ask for anything more. Uh, um, they've they've scored over well, oh, I think they've scored about 120 points between them. In the first two games Other contributors And it starts with Eric Burt So I think everyone knows by now What he said last night after the game About Rosier.
0: Yeah what do you he think got, about that
1: you know, Completely torched him in game 1 and 2 So if you're going to say that In the locker room after the game Well then you're willing to Take the pressure of that And he needs to be better And it doesn't necessarily mean He needs to score 30 points But he needs to take care of the ball Not turn it over and he needs to lock down Rozier because he's been scoring far too easily on him. And and when, Bled, when we acquired Bledsoe early in the season, the big thing everyone was really excited about was having that explosive defender at the point-card position, which we haven't had. So I think it, it's time now after two really poor games for him to, to stand up. And he is going to be probably the key. If he plays the same way he, he has, it's going to be hard for the Bucks to win.
0: Yes, and I think you you pointed out the biggest issue that's been plaguing this team for years is finding that third piece to Middleton and Giannis. And we thought it was Bledsoe when we traded for him. He's shown it in some games, like against the Lakers on that West Coast trip. He played amazing, played really well. Um, and I'm not gonna hate on a guy, you know, for one bad game. Obviously, Sunday was kind of an outlier in his career. It doesn't happen often. Um, and I was really hoping for a bounce back game last night. Uh, he tightened up a few things, but boy, his defense is just not great. And calling out Terry Rogier like that, obviously they've had a little bit of back and forth where Terry calls him Drew Bledsoe in his press conference. And then last night he says, who the fuck is that? And when referencing Terry Rogier and her, what he said, I don't even know who the fuck that is. Excuse me. Um, so I just think it's funny that you're a guy that played like shit in game in game one. You played a little better in game two, but you're just getting torched, and you're going to start calling out people like that. You're right. You know, he's got to really back that up if you're going to talk like that. Uh, hopefully, us, the home crowd, can help him get a little fire under there, maybe make Terry a little nervous and start missing some shots and kind of get in his grill a little bit. But yeah, I agree. I think somebody's got to step up. You know, I think looking back at the start of the series, you were hoping that was going to be Jabari, in now you can kind of see that maybe isn't true. Bledsoe isn't playing, and I think it all comes, all roads lead back to kind of that bench. Shabazz Muhammad, I think, was great last night and could provide a little bit of help on that side and really take some of the weight off Giannis. Um, but who knows really what Prunty's going to do and how his rotation's going to look.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to really predict that. Right now, he's gone from such a tight rotation in game one to just opening it wide opening game two. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: but you know, I, I I would find it pretty troubling if he went in like with no sort of um, adjustment at all into this game because uh, you know it is a must win, and it's like well, we've we've seen what we've seen with with what you know what he wants to do in game one and two, and it hasn't worked so. You either win or or it's, or it's virtually all over. So it's time. The time is now. There's not much more time to uh, mess around with this. So I'd be looking um, to look. Even it doesn't necessarily have to mean a change to the starting lineup, but but try some different things. Go with you know some guys that that played well, Shabazz and, and Sterling. You can give them some more minutes and 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 see what happens. Obviously, Bledsoe. You feel like he's like. Obviously, there's a bit going on there with Rozier and. You know, whatever, like you said, he's called him Drew and whatever, which you know, whatever, big deal. Who really cares? But he, um, if uh, you feel like he knew saying that, that he's putting the pressure on himself now. He feels like a guy that likes to have some serious motivation. So maybe that's what he needs. I don't know, but that's that's what you got to hope at this point. Uh, Yeah, Well, we'll see. Friday night.
0: That's right. Friday night. Mark your calendars. Get your hopes up like we always do, and let's hope they don't let us down again. Um, so as kind of last thing here, I want to, I want to hear a little bit, how was your experience at, uh, the garden out in Boston? You were media credentialed again for these two games and talk to me about it. How was, uh, being around the team, you getting a little bit more comfortable? How's that going for you? Yeah,
1: it was good. It was, um, yeah, it's, it's probably just it seems like one of those things. The more, the more times you do it, the more comfortable you feel, but it was great. And, um, you yeah, the guys were really great. You see some good stuff. You see, yeah, you, know, you get to see stuff like that. so uh, you know, the little comment last night was pretty, uh, yeah, you know, interesting to, to be there for that. And um, yeah, the playoff scene's a little bit different. Um, you know, you got the full press conference. Everyone's there. There's a lot more people there. There's a hell of a lot of Boston and reporters there. So it was um, it was fun. And, and staying in the town for the for the, the city for the three days was good as well. I got to go to um, uh, two bucks practices as well and the two games. So I got some good stuff out of that, and, um, overall it was really, yeah, it was a good experience for me, uh, yeah, and I got some good material work-wise, but last night it was, um, I learnt pretty quickly that, uh, if you're going to be there working games, you need to, um... Be prepared that it could be a pretty brutal atmosphere, and uh, it was, it was rough. It was like the happiest building on Earth last night with all those Celtics fans, and then I was just like, "This is I can't even watch this anymore." So you know that was that was an experience.
0: Oh, I can only imagine going to the Lions' den like that, and then have to go kind of do your job after the game, and you know what I mean, because you're so invested in do it as a Bucks fan, and then to have to go into that locker room, I can't imagine how uh, the atmosphere in there was.
1: Yeah, well I, I went I actually went straight down to the Celtic locker Room after the game and, and, and caught up with um, Aaron Baines who I was writing for the pick and rollers Australian uh, website anyway. So I caught up with Aaron and it's like once I was away from looking at the court and listening to the crowd and all the rest and it was it was fine, it was great. You know, you go down and you do what you gotta do, but yeah, I'm sure I'll get better at uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'll get better at um, watching the Bucks destroyed in the future and, uh, while I'm working.
0: <laughs> let's just hope they don't get destroyed in the future. Let's do that. How about that? So you don't yeah. have to get used to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But all right. So let's, uh, time for plugs. So you're writing for the pick and roll. Where can they find you on social media? Anything else you want to plug?
1: Yeah. Right. for the pick and roll. Also, uh, uh, Cream City Central, which probably a lot of the listeners here would be aware of. Um, yeah, great Wisconsin sports site. Uh, also, Bucks lead, which, which you know, you, you were a part of there a while ago. Um, that's for Twitter. I'm pretty active on Twitter. Um, you can get me at, at mkebucksoz. That's A-U-S for Australia. Um, yeah, follow me on there. I, I enjoy getting into discussion with all the fans. And It's um, a good time of year.
0: It is. It's playoff basketball Friday night. I'm ready, excited. Um, thanks for coming on. Uh, you can follow me at Jakubitz on Twitter. Uh, You can follow the podcast at Bucks underscore radio. And otherwise, I hope you guys uh, out there listening have a great week. And maybe I'll see you at the game on Friday. Cheers.